You are finishing up your pediatric outpatient clinic, and you are scheduled to see Derek Brown, a 13-month-old boy, for his health maintenance visit. His parents are without new concerns, and his growth and development appear on track. You note Derek is a very picky eater, and typically has been eating mostly dairy and starches. He has stopped breastfeeding and is now drinking quite a lot of whole milk. On physical exam, Derek is still growing at the 75th percentile for length, weight, and head circumference, and the remainder of your exam is also reassuring and normal. As you consider the next steps in Derek's visit, you wonder, what screening tests might be appropriate for Derek at 12 months, and are there any particular risks associated with Derek's unique diet? Consider your answers as we begin this next episode. Welcome to Audiobrex. I'm Adam Weinstein, bringing hematology from our bricks to your ears. After completing this episode, you'll be able to, one, define anemia and discuss its global prevalence, two, discuss the typical signs and symptoms of anemia, three, classify anemia into three categories based on red blood cell loss, decreased production or destruction of red blood cells, And four, classify anemia into three categories based on red blood cell size. Part one, what is anemia? Anemia is a condition in which there are not enough healthy red blood cells, or RBCs, to transport adequate oxygen to the body's tissues. It is diagnosed when a lower than normal hemoglobin concentration is measured in the blood, reflecting the key role of hemoglobin in oxygen transport. Although the definition of anemia is simple, the underlying causes are numerous and complex. In this episode, we'll walk through two ways to categorize the different types of anemias to provide a solid framework for understanding its various forms. In the United States, anemia affects more than 3 million people. According to the World Health Organization, anemia affects about 30% of the global population and about 36% of pregnant women. Worldwide, about 40% of children under age 5 have anemia, largely due to iron deficiency, most often related to inadequate dietary sources. Hmm, I wonder if this could be something we should be considering for our patient, Derek. Let's review with a brief question. What is the defining laboratory finding for anemia? Anemia is defined as a lower than normal hemoglobin concentration in the blood. Part 2. How do patients with anemia present? Patients with mild anemia are usually asymptomatic. In more moderate to severe cases, signs and symptoms of anemia are the result of tissue hypoxia, or low oxygen availability to tissues. These symptoms may include a combination of fatigue, weakness, dizziness, headache, pallor or pale skin, cold hands and feet, tachycardia, which may be felt as palpitations, and shortness of breath. When anemia is more chronic, the body tries to compensate for the low oxygen carrying capacity. First, the cardiovascular system compensates by increasing contractility and heart rate to increase oxygen delivery to tissues. This is why patients with anemia often experience tachycardia. Chronic anemia and tissue hypoxia also leads to a decrease in the affinity of hemoglobin for oxygen, allowing easier release of oxygen to the tissues. This is termed a right shift of the oxygen dissociation curve of hemoglobin. Additionally, anemia leads to increased renal production of the hormone erythropoietin, which stimulates the bone marrow to make more RBCs. Anemia may worsen other under-underlying conditions in which oxygen delivery to the tissues is already compromised. 
For example, in a patient with heart failure, anemia combined with low cardiac output will lead to severe impairments in oxygen delivery to the tissues. In a patient with atherosclerosis, anemia will worsen local oxygen delivery to the tissues, increasing risk for chest pain with coronary artery disease or exertional leg pain known as claudication with peripheral artery disease. The complete blood count, or CBC, is the main diagnostic tool for anemia. The CBC in anemia will commonly show a decrease in the concentration of hemoglobin in the blood, decrease in hematocrit, which is the ratio of RBCs to total blood volume, and a decrease in the total RBC count. Normal values vary based on age and sex, so it's important to look up age-specific norms when interpreting a CBC. For example, children have lower hemoglobin values compared to adults. It is important to understand that the presence of symptoms does not necessarily correlate with a particular hemoglobin level. Symptoms depend more on how quickly the anemia develops, as well as on the patient's ability to develop physiologic compensations, for example, the ability to increase cardiac output. So a precipitous drop in hemoglobin to 10 grams per deciliter over a few hours may cause more symptoms in a person than a chronic decline to 8 grams per deciliter. An athlete might not experience symptoms until the hemoglobin is 8 grams per deciliter, while a person with heart failure might not be able to walk a block with a hemoglobin of 10 grams per deciliter. Okay, now time for a question break. What common symptoms are associated with anemia? Common symptoms include shortness of breath, fatigue, weakness, dizziness, headache, pale skin, feeling cold, and a rapid heart rate. Part 3. How do we classify types of anemia by mechanism? Anemias may be classified based on their mechanism. Specifically, excessive loss of red blood cells, for example, caused by bleeding or hemorrhage, destruction of excessive numbers of red blood cells, for example, from hemolysis, or production of too few RBCs from ineffective hematopoiesis. Anemia due to blood loss may be acute or chronic. Bleeding will lead to a low hemoglobin and hematocrit, but in an acute hemorrhage, the numbers may initially be normal. This is because early in the bleed, red blood cells and plasma are both lost in equal quantity, so the concentration of hemoglobin and RBCs is unchanged. Over time, all these numbers will decrease. In response to blood loss, the bone marrow makes increased RBCs, leading to an increased reticulocyte count unless there is a concurrent iron deficiency from chronic bleeding. Anemia due to red blood cell destruction is called hemolysis. It can occur in the peripheral circulation or in organs such as the spleen and liver, called extravascular hemolysis. If RBCs are being destroyed faster than new RBCs can be produced, the RBC count will drop, resulting in anemia. Hemolysis can occur as a result of several conditions, including immune destruction of RBCs, for example, from transfusion reactions or as a side effect to certain medications, metabolic changes in the cell, for example, from G6PD deficiency, genetic abnormalities of the red blood cell membrane, for example, as with hereditary spherocytosis, abnormalities of the hemoglobin molecule, such as with sickle cell anemia or thalassemia, or mechanical destruction of red blood cells by thrombi in the vessels, as with microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, from a cause such as thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura. 
In these cases, the mechanical injury may tear red blood cells into fragments called schistocytes, which are helmet-shaped red blood cells on a peripheral smear, rather than the normal biconcave disc-shaped cell. Hemolytic anemias may be associated with several other characteristic lab abnormalities on the CBC and on some other serum tests. First, there may be a greater variety of sizes of the lysing red blood cells, increasing the red blood cell distribution width, or the RDW. Additionally, the bone marrow typically responds to hemolysis by making an increased number of RBCs, leading to an increased reticulocyte count. Also, as RBCs are destroyed, this leads to the release of free hemoglobin into the circulation. The heme moiety from the hemoglobin is metabolized into bilirubin, which has a greenish-yellow pigment. If enough bilirubin is present, the patient's sclera, mucous membranes, and skin may appear yellow, a condition known as jaundice. Specifically, there will be an increase in serum indirect, or unconjugated bilirubin, since the liver will have not yet conjugated the bilirubin. Additionally, the circulating hemoglobin will bind to a circulating protein called haptoglobin made by the liver. This will lead to a decrease in serum haptoglobin, another helpful diagnostic tool for hemolytic anemia. Lastly, red blood cell lysis leads to a release of the intracellular enzyme lactate dehydrogenase, or LDH, and this causes an elevated serum LDH level. The last mechanism of anemia we will discuss is from decreased red blood cell production. If RBCs are not being produced fast enough in the bone marrow, the RBC count will drop and the patient develops anemia. Some common causes of insufficient RBC production include, first, vitamin or mineral deficiencies, particularly iron deficiency, which is the most common cause, or deficiency of folic acid or vitamin B12. Second, anemia of chronic disease, also called anemia of inflammation, in which inflammatory cytokines cause iron to remain trapped in the liver and in macrophages rather than circulating. Inflammation can also shorten RBC lifespan and cause RBC loss that way. Third, anemia of chronic kidney disease, in which the kidney is not able to make sufficient erythropoietin, the hormone responsible for stimulating RBC production in the bone marrow. Fourth, many genetic disorders that cause reduction of RBC synthesis. Fifth, primary bone marrow disorders, including aplastic anemia and myelodysplastic syndrome with anemia. These occur due to a primary decrease in bone marrow hematopoietic precursor cells and are commonly caused by chemotherapy drugs, radiations, or toxins. And lastly, infiltration of the bone marrow, for example, from neoplastic cells, as with leukemia. Any of these conditions superimposed on bleeding or hemolysis will make anemia more severe and recovery from RBC loss more difficult and prolonged, and blood transfusions may be needed. Okay, now for a question break. What is the most common cause of inadequate RBC production? Inadequate RBC production is most often caused by iron deficiency. Part 4. How do we classify types of anemia by red blood cell size? When anemia is suspected, a clinical evaluation will be performed to try to identify the cause based on one of the mechanisms we just discussed. For example, does the patient have jaundice? Or does the patient report heavy menstrual bleeding? Or does the patient have a diet with adequate iron, folate, and or vitamin B12 intake? Sometimes the cause is not obvious from the history and physical exam, and the CBC, and in particular, 
the mean corpuscular volume, or MCV, is very helpful at prioritizing and narrowing our differential diagnosis. In adults, a normal MCV is 80 to 100. Children have values that are normally lower than this. Anemia may be classified into three types based on the MCV, microcytic, macrocytic, and normocytic. Microcytic anemias are those in which the RBCs are smaller than normal and have a low MCV. For example, iron deficiency anemia. Again, this is the most common cause of a microcytic anemia. Other examples include lead poisoning, sideroblastic anemia, thalassemia, and anemia of chronic disease or chronic inflammation. Though this is more often normocytic, it can also be microcytic in some cases. In macrocytic anemias, the RBCs are larger than normal and have a high MCV. Megaloblastic anemia is an example of a macrocytic anemia and occurs when there is insufficient erythrocyte precursors for RBC production, most commonly with folate and vitamin B12 deficiency. The peripheral blood smear may show characteristic large oval RBCs, as well as hypersegmented neutrophils with greater than five lobes. And now for another question break. What is the most common cause of macrocytic anemia? Deficiency of vitamin B12 or folate is the most common cause of macrocytic anemia. Last but not least, in normocytic anemias, the RBCs are normal size and have a normal MCV. Examples of normocytic anemia include acute blood loss, anemia of chronic disease or chronic inflammation. These are normocytic in the majority of cases. Most hemolytic anemias are normocytic and aplastic anemia. And that's all I have today for anemia's foundation and frameworks. So let's see if we've completed our goals for this episode. First, can we define anemia and discuss its global prevalence? Anemia is defined as a decrease in the number of red blood cells and is identified based on an abnormally low red blood cell count and or a low hemoglobin or hematocrit concentration. It is extremely prevalent and affects approximately a third of people in the world, and even more so in young children. Next, can you discuss the typical signs and symptoms of anemia? Typical signs and symptoms of anemia include fatigue, weakness, dizziness, headache, pallor, feeling cold, shortness of breath, and a rapid heart rate. Next, can you classify anemia into three categories based on mechanism? Anemias may be classified according to blood loss, increased RBC destruction, or decreased RBC production. Blood loss may be acute due to hemorrhage or trauma, or chronic due to a chronic lower GI tract bleed. Destruction may be due to various causes of hemolysis, and impaired production has many causes, most commonly iron deficiency. Lastly, can you classify anemia into three categories based on red blood cell size? Anemias may be classified according to RBC size as microcytic, macrocytic, or normocytic. The most common microcytic anemia is iron deficiency anemia. The most common macrocytic anemias are megaloblastic anemias caused by vitamin B12 or folate deficiency. 
And the most common normocytic anemias are anemia of chronic disease or inflammation, hemolytic anemias, and anemia due to acute blood loss. That's all I have today on anemias. Let's get back to our patient from the beginning of this episode. Thinking back to Derek Brown, a 13-month-old who came in for his health maintenance visit, you consider what screening tests might be appropriate for Derek at 12 months, and are there any particular risks associated with Derek's unique diet? Given the high prevalence of anemia and its potential impact on growth and development, the American Academy of Pediatrics currently recommends routine screening for anemia at around 12 months of age. Especially based on Derek's limited diet, he may be at higher risk for iron deficiency anemia, as his diet does not include sufficient meat or vegetables or other foods that are rich sources of iron. A high intake of whole milk exclusively has also been associated with impaired ability to absorb iron. You explain this to his parents and that you recommend screening for anemia by checking his hemoglobin level. His parents agree and are eager for any strategies that may help expand Derek's dietary intake to a larger variety of foods, too. And that's all I have for today's audio brick. Thanks for joining me. If you like this episode, give it a thumbs up or a comment. You can enjoy the full Brick experience online at www.usmle-rx.com, complete with illustrations, questions, flashcards, and active learning. Stay healthy out there.